Welcome to the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust podcast on writing great grants. This year, we're proud to mark 45 years serving the nonprofit community of the Pacific Northwest. As a private nonprofit foundation, we've invested more than $1 billion through capacity building grants, enrichment programs, and convenings for nonprofits with a desire to help organizations flourish and thrive in order to serve the common good of our communities. On this show, we provide real-world insights and tactical information from experts in the field to help grow the capacity of nonprofits, strengthen organizations for the long term, and support leaders in their fundraising and grant application efforts. On today's episode, we sit down with Jerry Calhoun to discuss the importance of human resources in growing and sustaining a nonprofit. Jerry's built a career spanning more than three decades in the human resources sector, serving in roles with Boeing, Bristol-Myers, and the Ronald Reagan Presidential Administration. In addition to his work in the HR field, Jerry has also held teaching positions with the University of Washington Business School. A graduate of Seattle University, Jerry earned his MBA at UW. In addition to representing the trust at events, conferences, and convenings, Jerry brings his unique background and expertise in corporate philanthropy to help the trust better facilitate partnerships and programs with organizations in the business community. Enjoy today's show. Thank you so much for joining us today on the uh, Murdoch Trust Podcast. We're thrilled to have you today. Well, thank you. It's an honor indeed. Now, Jerry, uh, Jack Murdoch, the benefactor of the Murdoch Trust, believed strongly in the value of people. And he invested quite a bit of his focus into building the culture of Tektronix through the HR department. Um, This is an area where you've invested quite a bit of your career. You're very familiar with kind of the, the high level of how to be successful uh, when it comes to people in the HR department. Um, in your experience, what role does the culture of an organization play in the overall health of that organization and the people who work there? Well, I think that the culture is really the enterprise. Um, it uh, defines it internally. I think it defines it externally. Um really the value of any enterprise is um, measured by how it is viewed uh, by its customers and how it responds to its customers and how it behaves in uh, its markets. Um, I think that that, uh, culture really is an integrated pattern of behaviors, of values, of objectives, and vision. And um, if an organization or enterprise can't operate uh, with that kind of um, petrol and energy, uh, it um, is not going to survive or it's not going to be able to compete very well. Um, it is a, um, a glue, a membrane, a um, critical skeletal um, framework for the enterprise, and it must be maintained, it must be nurtured, it must be consistent, it must be communicated, and um, it's got to be part of the narrative um, throughout the enterprise, externally. Um, it's got to be consistent, and it has to be um, really uh, protected um, and not, um, not allowed to be altered um, by uh, whim or by just instant circumstances that present themselves and they um, should be and would be durable. And uh, at the end of the day, it's about leadership um, 
really understanding, really buying in, and uh, really protecting and executing on those on those values and those integrated pieces that make the culture of the organization. Now, you spoke there about how the culture influences the external conversations between the organization and the audiences they serve. Uh, but when we talk about HR, that can also be a, a very internally focused process. What role do you find does the HR team actually play in terms of helping shape and guide that culture that then influences the external face of the company? Well, I, I think the HR organization function um, really is responsible for uh, all of those things that um, um, touch, if you will, um, employees of the enterprise. Um, the HR organization really um, is the glue, if you will, uh, that really holds that enterprise together. Um, HR and the is, is an important part of the leadership structure. It is um, the activity or the function that really is a part of the compliance apparatus. And compliance isn't policing. Compliance is really uh, identifying and attaching behavior to value to culture. And um, it really speaks to, in my opinion, um, the role of the uh, HR function vis-a-vis -vis the leadership. Um, a leader, CEO, president, board, uh, really have to have or should have an intimate relationship with the HR leader and his or her uh, organization. And um, it's more than just filling a box with a person. There has to be sympathetic. Um, and intent and vision and view. And um, the HR function really brings the empathy uh, of the organization um, to full bloom, um, to really be the advocate for the people and the functions that fall within the function of HR. Now, this podcast is, is primarily focused on nonprofits and nonprofit organizations. And a lot of the groups that we work with are relatively small, relatively small staffs. Um, they maybe don't have a dedicated HR staff member or even a full HR team. Often that will lie with you know, someone who's doing you know, split responsibilities, um, wearing multiple hats. And so they have to prioritize and reprioritize constantly. In a general sense, realizing that every case is going to be different, every organization is going to be different. But generally speaking, what do you believe are the top maybe two or three HR functions that an organization really needs to prioritize in order to, to, to hit maximum health for that organization? I think number one is, is the, the, um, um, the, the, the area of talent, um, um, acquiring the right talent, um, training the right talent, um, motivating the right, having the right processes and systems in place to motivate and to retain um, people. So that whole talent management uh, uh, area um, is so critical because obviously if you don't get that right, um, you don't get uh, the competitive advantages and the performance uh, 
outcomes that uh, are necessary for the organization, the enterprise uh, to be successful. I think secondly um, is the area of remuneration, compensation. Um, are you paying the right kinds of salaries? Are you providing the right incentives for people to, um, to stay and um, uh, that those salaries and remunerative uh, pieces are uh, competitive in the space that you operate. Um, um, and I think also the, 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 the area of making sure that you've got the right job <laughs> described <laughs> that um, its success is um, clear what success looks like in that job and um, <clears throat> that the right um, processes are in place to uh, evaluate performance. Uh, one of the things I've seen in small enterprises, particularly in startups and nonprofits, is that people get into those jobs and then um, how do you manage uh, them while they're there? How do you get them focused on the right things? And if they aren't successful, uh, how do you uh, offboard? How do you have those people in a in a very positive and supportive way, move on to something that they can be successful. One of the things that sometimes we'll see in kind of all areas of business is organizations will get focused on, you know, the quote unquote shiny objects. Um, and yeah. that maybe will distract from those, you know, top two or three core priorities without calling out any specific organization. Cause we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but you know, generally speaking at a high level, do you find that organizations tend to prioritize less important uh, areas of focus? Maybe they, you know, tend to, you know, let their attention be drawn to a, a category or a subject that, that pulls away from those, those top two or three priorities more often than not. Um, and, and what, or what are the areas maybe that, should be lower on the priority list that kind of keep creeping up into, you know, that top two or three focus category? Yeah, it's a, it's a very good question. And uh, I have always seen that um, sometimes we start rewarding activity as opposed to results. And um, activity can be um, how many meetings you have, um, how big your meeting is, uh, off-sites, um, um, things that really don't uh, attach to uh, productivity and productive, act, uh, pr productive outcomes. Um, and I, I don't have any specific examples that I can think of other than um, there was a time when focus groups was kind of a thing. Um, off-sites were kind of a thing. Um, and, um, you know, uh, attire or getting into kind of uniformy kinds of considerations. Um, and so there's a, there are a lot of things that can distract. And I think that the, the, the role of a good leader is really to keep the, the organization and the team focused. Um, and uh, even within the HR function, um, from time to time, um, people or entities would get into like offsites meetings, uh, um, vision statement building, <laughs> and all of those things 
have value, um, but uh, they aren't as valuable as supporting, uh, um, getting the right people on board, supporting them in their development training um, orientation, and providing uh, the resources for those individuals to do the work of the business. Um, it's interesting you bring up, you know, the importance of compensation and how we're supporting uh, employees and staff members and things like that, because we live in a time where it feels like more than ever, employees are voicing their specific expectations of their employer in terms of how they're supporting the employee, everything from compensation and working conditions to now we're seeing to, you know, expectations around how organizations engage on political issues and things like that. Sometimes this conversation can be done in a very constructive way in a way that's very positive and supports the employee, but also moves the company forward in a productive way. Sometimes though, it can create a, a very toxic culture in an organization. In your experience, what are some of the ways that an organization can foster that constructive dialogue between leadership and staff to address these issues as they come up without doing so in a way that promotes toxicity? Very good question. I don't know that I know the answer to that. I have an opinion. Um, my opinion is that you, you, we talked a little earlier about culture. I think uh, as part of a culture um, construct or dynamic, um, a piece of the culture needs to really be about two-way communication, and it needs to be part of the business. It can't be ad hoc. It can't be uh, when there's a crisis. But uh, how does the top of the organization talk to all levels within the organization, all the way down to the bottom and the bottom up? It's got to be two-way. Um, and I believe that if that is part of the culture, uh, along with it comes uh, credibility and believing that you really will be heard and that there's a process to be heard. Um, when employees don't have a voice, um, I have found in organizations that they will find a way to voice their opinions. And uh, it isn't always good. And um, it often doesn't get to the right source. It doesn't get to the right audience. Um, and an outcome, not always, but an outcome can be um, bringing in outside agents to represent your voice. And not that that is bad. Employees can certainly, uh, through the labor relations process, uh, elect representatives. Um, but I think that that process in, it, in and of itself can be toxic. And it can be... Um, it can be it can be you know a place in time where um, corrosive kinds of attitudes and behaviors are rooted can be rooted. So um, communication is so vital, no matter the size of the organization, and it starts from uh, the top, the leadership, and it is, in my opinion, um, got to be or should be um, part of the cultural construct. And uh, with that, um, you can avoid uh, animus, you can avoid uh, feelings of voicelessness, and you can uh, avoid people 
trying to find another voice or voices to speak for them from the outside into your enterprise. So um, all of that said, uh, it's an opinion. Uh, I've worked in environments where we've had both ends of that continuum. And I I have found when there is a leader who really um, makes communication part of the culture and who provides and has an organization that provides opportunities for employees from all levels of the enterprise uh, to have a voice and not just as a um, um, a gesture, but really, and uh, it is respond that voice is responded to, and um, it isn't uh, it's listened to, I guess, and it is responded to. It isn't just responded to; it's really taken in and, and considered, and uh, and uh, really, um, the weight of it is considered in its implications, and and a very thoughtful answer is always provided. So. That goes back to culture for me. Going back to culture, going back to the roots of the organization makes a lot of sense. Um, we talked a little bit about uh, priorities and we talked about you know the, the HR team and you know what they're prioritizing and what they're deprioritizing. But sometimes those priorities can be influenced based on the workload that's put on the team by external forces. And HR as a term can sometimes be viewed as covering a broad range of responsibilities in a lot of different areas of work. In your experience, do you find that tasks get added to that there that there are, you know, maybe two or three common tasks that get added to the HR plate that really should be handled by a different department but just kind of by default get put on the HR plate? Um Yes, and, and it's not always inappropriate that they end up on HR's plate, but um, um, I, don't, I don't think that there are kind of typical things that fall on HR's plate that maybe shouldn't. I, I think that um, HR really is there to support not just the, the people and the systems and processes that touch people, but also for the business. And uh, in a leadership um, uh, kind of capacity, you know, the team, the leadership team gets to decide where things fall. Um, And um, if things come in, I'm not really grabbing any ideas about what those extraneous elements or pieces might be that typically fall to HR. but. Generally, HR is there to do them and can do them. And then it gets down to priorities, not forgetting what your priorities are. And an HR leader, too, has the responsibility to say, uh, this is an appropriate placement of that, that activity or that item or not, and should have sufficient relationship within the leadership team to either accept or reject uh, those new things that are looking for a home. Um, I, I would hope that an organization isn't arbitrary in its placement of activity. It just goes to HR, but there is a, um, a management system in place that um, really considers these new activities and new uh, incoming items um, in terms of where they should be placed and what resources are needed to do them and whether the resources are in place to get them done. 
what would you say is a, maybe a top misconception that organizations internally have about HR and also a top misconception that maybe employees as individuals have about the role of HR within an organization? I think most people don't recognize that HR is a, um, is a function that has science and has process and has um, expertise and that makes a valuable contribution. Uh, I think it's, it's misunderstood and not known. <laughs> um, I think that um, recently, maybe in the last 15, 20 years, maybe, uh, HR has kind of come on as a um, professional area uh, that is bottomed by proven process, sophisticated systems, and um, uh, methods that produce and allow good results. Um, so I think in the past, HR is a, as we talked about, it's kind of a dumping ground. It's kind of like, you know, you hire people and you get rid of people and you do what we tell you to do as opposed to being part of the team that brings expertise and brings knowledge and is truly enabling uh, to the enterprise. Excellent, Jerry. Um, I've got my last question here that I want to ask you mm -hmm. about um, solidifying that HR function is kind of the voices that are involved there. But before I hit that question, I just want to see if there's any other topics, anything that's come up for you as we've been going that I should have asked you or that you want to make sure we, we cover on this topic. Um, there was one question, I think, in, a, in some discussion earlier about uh, organic growth of culture. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it's an interesting question. And I, and I really hadn't thought about it. I, organic growth makes sense. <laughs> but at the same time, you're in a bigger world where core growth might be a consideration as well yeah. because you're going to import best practices. Mm. You're going to look to your competition or your like focused enterprises out in the space where you operate. And um, I think that my interpretation of organic growth is really kind of internal natural systems. Mm -hmm. um, that tends to, for me, it tends to kind of, uh, isolate you and say you got everything you need right there. <laughs> uh, core growth, on the other hand, uh, really allows for the import of uh, best practices. Um, so uh, the, the reason that I bring that up is that one of the things that HR needs, one of its really important activities is to have eyes outside the organization to look for best practices not just with people, but the conduct of business and how you can or could be a good or better system, a citizen um, as an enterprise in your space and in our economy and uh, actively working around uh, those considerations. Excellent. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult balance and it feels like a delicate balance between yeah. letting things go and also kind of guiding them along the, uh, along the path. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Um, well, Jerry, to, to kind of wrap us up here, 
as, as we've talked about, you know, a lot of our, the organizations that are listening to this podcast are, are nonprofits, they're small teams. Um, and when they're solidifying their HR function, it may be that this is going to sit on one person's plate, but there's going to be different voices involved in kind of how that, that function is formed and then how it's monitored and maintained. In your experience, what voices do you think should be involved in that conversation before there's a dedicated HR professional, before there's a dedicated HR team, who should be at the table uh, and participating in HR related discussions? Is that a, a financial thing? Is that a legal thing? Is that just up to the CEO or the executive director? Um, who's involved there? My opinion is, is that whomever the leadership team is, and then if you know your enterprise, who are the voices in the enterprise that have leadership voices? They can be a secretary, anybody, but really uh, starts with the leadership team and then finding the leadership voices outside leadership team and, and, and include those. Um, I think that it's important to understand that HR is everybody's responsibility. It isn't just an organization and people whose title is HR. Um, one of the things that has always driven my conduct and in, in my business of HR in a corporation has to is bottomed by my belief that no leader, no leader, when asked a question about leadership and HR issues should not shrug his or her shoulders and not have knowledge of it. Have knowledge of it or and or have knowledge of where the answer to that HR question can be found. And um, um, HR is uh, is the culture. <laughs> it's the it's the carrier of the culture. And um, everybody ought to um, participate and know um, the role of HR and as depthful a set of knowledge around HR issues as practical. And I would say that most leadership members should have a fairly deep understanding of the HR role and responsibilities and functions. Very well said. Jerry, thank you so much for, for taking the time to talk with us today. This has been incredibly informative, helpful, uh, very thoughtful, a lot of great wisdom uh, based on, on your career and your expertise. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. And that wraps up this episode of the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust Podcast. For more information on nonprofit development and effective grant writing, as well as resources on leadership, board management, team building, and a variety of other topics in the nonprofit space, visit us online at MurdochTrust.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Murdoch Trust, on Facebook at Murdoch Charitable Trust, and on LinkedIn. Music for this episode was provided by Lobo Loco via the Free Music Archive. This episode of the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust podcast was recorded by the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. <laughs>